This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joyful, joyful. Lounge on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. And you are on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 with Rachel, Claudine and Mark in the studio. And we also have a special guest joining us for the first little bit. We have Nigel here. But first, as per usual, we have our holy day of the week. I haven't come up with a new jingle this week, so here's an improvised jingle of holy day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now that that's out of the way... Okay, imagine that you are so important that centuries after your death, people are still celebrating your life. Well, my friends, this is the case for St. David. St. David must be a pretty special guy, huh? Well, we all know that David, who has saved us many times here on the Spirit Lounge, uh, unfortunately, that David is not a saint. Uh, so He's not dead yet. You have to be dead to be a saint. So, <laughs> oh. That's sad. Well, we don't want David to die. We love him too much and he saves us very often. So what made this David guy so good that not only did he become a saint, uh, but also have a day celebrated celebrated in his name hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after his death. So let's do a time warp. So it's believed that St. David of Wales was born in 579 and died 100 years later. But nobody can prove this because apparently texts of his life didn't appear until 500 years after his death. Uh, He's believed to have played a huge part in Welsh culture. He was known for being gentle yet physically very strong. Uh, And his parents are quite well known as well. His dad was the grandson of a prince and his mum the niece of the legendary King Arthur. Uh, So St. David travelled around and founded several churches and a monastery and then became an archbishop. Uh, He was declared a saint, which is also being known as canonised, which I learnt this week as well. I haven't been brought up in a church that really talks about saints, so I didn't know the technical term. Um, You have to be beatified first and then you are canonised. Oh, it didn't tell me that. You need two miracles to become a saint and be dead. Two miracles and death. Whereas if you're an Anglican or or some kind of Protestant, high Protestant, you just decide whatever saints you want to have and don't go through all this paperwork. (laughs) And then they're just a saint. We do saints without paperwork. There you go. So on the 1st of March in uh, 1120, uh, he was inducted into the church calendar as Saint on uh, to being Saint David's Day. Uh, so what made him a saint? Well, apparently many miracles have been attributed to him, the most incredible being that he caused the ground below him to rise whilst he was preaching so that everyone could see and hear him. So it sounds pretty legit because hydraulics hadn't been invented then. So good job, Saint David. Uh, so what do we do to celebrate Saint David's Day? 
Here in Australia, not much. But if you're in England, Wales, Canada or the United States, there are very special church services held. Uh, Schools hold parades and festivals uh, that often involve choirs. And the Welsh flag, which features a fierce red dragon on a white and green background, is proudly displayed. A daffodil or a leek is often pinned to clothing. And on this day of celebration, um, they make a soup consisting mostly of leek and other vegetables. And that's shared between families and friends. So no presents for this one, kids. But why not look up a delicious leek soup recipe and imagine yourself soaring above crowds of people, all thanks to God, of course. And that was our holy day of the week this week. Was St. David actually Welsh? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That an actual Welsh he's saint. an actual Welsh saint. Yes. Uh, so now that we've covered all the serious stuff, uh, I'd like to introduce you to a very handsome young man who has an important message about an upcoming event for the LGBTIQQ young adults. Nigel is an openly gay leader at Collins Street Baptist Church and an active part of the LGBTIQ community. Thanks for joining us on the lounge tonight, Nigel. Rachel, thank you for having me and thank you to Spirit Lounge and Joy for having me as well. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, it's lovely having your presence in here. I am blushing on radio, you realise, about that handsome and young thing. Oh. Mostly the young part. Well, it's good. It's, it's good to have young, fresh people in here. Not, not that Claudine, Mark and I aren't young and fresh, but it's good to have someone new. Always. So You're young to the show. Yes, that too. Thank you. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about what this event is? Sure. Well, we have uh, quite a number of gay and lesbian people at Collins Street Baptist Church and I, I think we recognise that in the city particularly there's a lot of young people or, or not so young people who have no framework for talking about spirituality and sexuality. They might be students, uh, they might be people from the country, um, they could be from overseas, um, from other faith backgrounds certainly other than Christianity and it seems to us that there needs to be a space for people to come and talk about the integration of sexuality and spirituality in their lives um, in, a, in, a, in a way that is, is welcoming and affirming um, for those people. Amazing. So this event is open to everybody? Everybody. Everybody. Not just GLBTIQQ-identified people. It could be um, friends and family and, and whoever. Uh, but I guess you know we want to be able to have a, a good conversations, um, and it is certainly very safe we we have some very experienced people who are going to be at the event yep. who know how to who create that space and hold that space very carefully much like you do on this show every thursday that's that's what we like to hear so what what is uh, going to happen at, at this event well what can we um expect? well um it's going to be a couple of hours. Um, it's basically a cafe. Uh, it's going to be the first Sunday of every month, commencing on the 6th of March, uh, so only a week, a bit over a week away. And it's going to be from 3 p.m. until 5 p.m. And we're really excited to be able to offer free coffee at our first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still organising the barista, but we will have free coffee um, for sure. Um, and the Veranda Cafe is a beautiful space on the steps, um, at 174 Collins Street, which is the church building. Um, We recognise that that might be a bit intimidating for some people, but it is a very Collins Street address, very beautiful, very uh, welcoming space to sit around, have a a cup of coffee or tea, if if you prefer, and uh, talk about these matters. 
Awesome. So I'm going to come out and say I'm actually involved in this as well, which is very exciting. Uh, and it will... I think that the aim is we're, we're hoping to get young adults there. Yeah. So, you know, if you are older, um, this, this may not be the place for you, but if you identify as a young adult, please come along. Hmm. I think that's important. I think that we haven't set an upper age limit yeah. um, deliberately. We could have said 25. We could have said 30. We could have said 40. We could have said 45 so that I could go. Um, <laughs> but the point is that uh, some people have come out later in life. Yeah. I think uh, some people have come out earlier in life um, and they sometimes find that coming out as a Christian can be harder to do in the gay community than coming out as a gay in the Christian community. So we want to be clear um, that uh, if you are struggling with issues of sexuality and spirituality and you're fairly new to that space, um, we will take you on first impressions, um, but it is primarily for people who are, who are younger, um, you know, without wanting to say an age, young people. Young adults, yeah. yes. So we, it's also not kids either. Yeah, it's going to be great fun. Yeah. It's going to be great fun. It's going to be very relaxed and we'll see where it goes. We're committing to six months and we would love to see as many people there as possible. Amazing. And where can people find out some more information? They can go to The Junction uh, on Facebook if you search The Junction. Um, Facebook slash The Junction, yeah. something like that, um, you will find out more information. And we will definitely post the – there is an event link uh, and it will be on our Spirit Lounge page as well so everyone can check that out as well if With you're a beautiful interested. photo that you found of a rainbow bridge. Yes. Like this bridge like launching across the night sky with rainbow colours. It's a beautiful photo. Yeah. Which so is how we think of it really, like a bridge between different cultures and different faiths. Yeah, which is exactly where the name The Junction came from. So when you say it's two hours, does that mean you're, um, it's, the event is two hours? Or you, is it a drop-in? Drop it's drop-in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is definitely um, come and go any time in that two hours. And if conversation carries on after 5 p.m., um, then brilliant. Yeah, amazing. So thank you so much for coming in tonight and talking to us about The Junction. And don't forget, we will put those links up on our Facebook page. We are about to head into our next segment, which is some inspiring music that is special to Mark, Claudine and myself. Uh, So we will be listening to Isaac by Madonna. And that was Isaac by Madonna. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And we're doing a music show tonight. We're talking about songs that have inspired uh, Claudine, Rachel and myself. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, please do text in on uh, to us here at Joy. Uh, at uh, 0427 Joy 949. Or you can email on air at joy.org.au or just use the little contact button on the app if that's how you're listening in and or in case you get lost yeah and it's really <laughs> and it's really great because if you get the, the moment where you're thinking i can't pronounce that word you don't need to because it's all done by texting so that's really good so we just listened to isaac which was um my choice for an inspirational song um it's uh it's a madonna song obviously uh, i chose it for a couple of reasons primarily i think it's started appealing to me or the reason why i sort of pricked my ears up when i first bought the album uh, a little while ago, uh, was that my Hebrew name is Yitzhak, which is Isaac. In, in, oh. uh, so that's my Hebrew name. Um, so 
It's a Madonna song, so Madonna being Madonna, this song caused some controversy when it was released. Um, not for the normal reasons and that Madonna causes controversy. You know, if you go back to the 80s, she liked to provoke um, primarily Catholicism at the time, but you know, she said did some really out there. But this song provoked um, some controversy in the Jewish world, more so from what was an interpretation of why it was called Isaac. So some rabbis decided that the song was called Isaac after a rabbi called uh, Rabbi Isaac Lura, um, who was a 16th century Kabbalist. So Madonna um, practices Kabbalah, which is, uh, without getting into the nuts and bolts of it, it's sort of esoterical Judaism. What's, uh, what's esoterical? Um, how would I describe this? It's hysterical. It's it's like a um, Claudine. How would we describe esoterical? I'm just trying to think of the word. Mystical. Yeah, mystical is a good word. It's kind of it's a little bit um, Kabbalah. You're not supposed to start practicing until you're 40 because in Judaism you're assumed that it takes you 40 years to acquire the knowledge to then be able to go to this higher level of understanding. So that's what Kabbalah is. We might do a show on Madonna in the f- little while because Madonna's story is quite interesting because she herself says that she's not a Jew. But we can talk about why she might do that. Maybe we'll do that in that show rather than get all off track and talking about something totally out there. All so right. let's go so back look to, forward to the Madonna show. Let, we'll do the Madonna show. We'll talk all about Madonna's uh, religious practices and how it comes through her music. So back to Isaac. So she was criticised by some rabbis in... Um, for calling the song Isaac because they believed she'd named it after this 16th century Kabbalist. Um, And it's all about the the argument that the rabbis put up with, well, she's doing the wrong thing because she's using a holy name. He's considered a holy person in Judaism for profit, and that's that's something that one shouldn't do in Judaism. Mm -hmm. However, Madonna turned around and said, well, you're all wrong. It's not named after that Isaac. It's named after a friend of mine called Yitzhak Sunani, who's a Yemenite Jew who is uh, based at the London Kabbalah Centre, which is attached to the Los Angeles Kabbalah Centre where Madonna goes and practices her Kabbalah. And that's why she said the song's named after. That's why it's called Isaac. Interestingly, here's the man who sings the Hebrew words that you hear coming through the song, certainly at the ah. start, and then it comes back. So it's probably a fairly strong argument that Madonna was right in saying she just called it Isaac because of Yitzhak doing the singing. So, speaking of the Hebrew at the start of the song, so what does it translate to? Um, because it's it's repeated, it's it's almost a little bit like a bit of a trance music, which sort of, certainly goes into that sort of Kabbalah style of worship. In uh, worship's probably the wrong word, but Kabbalah's prayer, that style of thing. So, the words Madonna said in October two thousand and five that the words translate to this is her words: "If all the doors of all the generous people's homes are closed to you, the gates of heaven will always be open." And the words um, come from a Yemenite Hebrew poem that's about a thousand years old. So she's picked up um, certainly Yitzhak's tradition and what he where he's come from and incorporated into this song about Isaac. So she is well informed then. She's certainly well informed. Uh, very well informed. She's been practicing Kabbalah for quite some time now. Um, so, <laughs> was she practicing before she was forty, or are we just saying that Madonna's really old? Madonna <laughs> she is old. She I is. Mean, she's old, older. Madonna is an older person. I don't think she'd be probably. She may not be in the demographic that the Junction's aiming for. Let's no. just go that far. No, I'm, a, I'm aware of, of Madonna's age. I was just getting as to what you were implying about she. Has been 
aware for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. So she, so Madonna's obviously a, a, a practices Kabbalah. One of her children wears a kippah, a yarmulke, a head, a skull cap. Mm-hmm. Um, but she herself says she's not Jewish. It probably comes from a knowledge of Judaism and what she's saying there. So is that child Jewish? Uh, look, it's interesting. <sighs> Judaism is very. Judaism is based on the law. That's what Judaism is based about. So, you are by Jewish law either Jewish or not Jewish. Hmm. So, and I, and I think that's why I'm just hypothesizing. But I think that's why Madonna says she's not Jewish because she hasn't been to become a Jew. You'd need to go before a rabbinical court, court which is called a Beit Din, and three or more rabbis will sit there and test your knowledge and your commitment. To Judaism um, and your practices, uh, you'll have a sponsory rabbi who may speak on your behalf. So it's, it's, it is a, a court in that proper sense. And then they will make a determination as to whether you're Jewish or not. And then there's a couple of small rituals that sort of seal the deal, yep. if you like. Um, and I'd say that's why Madonna would say she's not Jewish. So she hasn't been through the Beit Din process or mm-hmm. certainly has She may have been to the Beit Din, who knows, but certainly hasn't been approved by the Beit Din to become Jewish and, and, and so that. So I'm wondering whether, in answer to your question, Claudine, maybe her son has done that or is intending to do that because certainly from a Jewish perspective and going to the Beit Din, you're expected to live like a Jew before you would go to the Beit Din. Yeah. And wearing a skull cap is not religious. It's a, a um, tradition of Judaism. There's actually no religious part to that. That's a whole other story. But, yeah, there Let's is go, an identity thing there. There is an identity thing. Let's go back to Isaac the song, though. So, certainly when you listen to Isaac the song, it has lots of spiritual um, undertones in it. Um, the first verse when Madonna's singing in English, she sings, staring up into the heavens in this hell that binds your hands, you'll sacrifice your comfort, make your way into a foreign land. So that's picking up the story of Isaac in the Bible, the binding of Isaac it's often called to, or the sacrifice of Isaac. It's where um, Hashem, God, says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. So Abraham takes Isaac up and binds him to an altar to be sacrificed. Um, Spoiler alert, angel comes down, convinces (laughs) Abraham not to do it, and Isaac lives to tell another day, lives to see another day. But the, the song picks up that sort of thing. It's an interesting sort of... The story of Isaac is theologically a little bit... Um, there's a couple of schools of thought, the main one being it's about um, commitment to God and being willing to give up anything to God. And that's and certainly this song seems to pick up that in some of the language and the verses that it uses. There is another school of thought, um, which is a more modern school of thought. It, it, it's a little bit more controversial. It's actually not about Abraham's commitment to God, but God punishing Abraham for... Um, expelling his other son Ishmael out of the house and therefore it's about God saying to uh, to Abraham if you don't treat your son right if you don't do the right thing and show compassion and mercy then you'll be punished and that's what the, the that's the other side of the argument but certainly it's a, it's an interesting song um for me probably the strongest words that sort of resonate with me there's some words in there that says uh you'll find a gate that opens that's open, even though your spirit's broken. So to me, it's about the songs a little bit got that sense of, even though when everything else looks like it's going to go, it's all going pear-shaped, there's still hope there's going to be a way out of this. So that's that's why it gets for me. Nice. So that's the song of Isaac. But certainly people listening, get involved in the conversation. Email us in to onair at joy.org.au or text in to 0427JOY949. Songs that inspire you or some feedback maybe about 
Madonna. What, Madonna or what does the song Isaac say yeah. to you? So certainly get involved in the conversation here on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And we'll be after the this we'll be listening to Vito's ordination song by Sufjan Stevens. And that was part of Vito's ordination song by Sufjan Stevens, who is an artist that I've played on Spirit Lounge a few times now. Um, so he's that's this. There's a few songs of it. There's many religious themes in his in his songs, and I actually discovered him when I was in divinity school when and when I was studying theology and thinking about um, ministry and whether I'd become a um, whether I'd go for ordination in the Anglican Church. And clearly, I've not gone ahead with that. Uh, it's a you know a pretty big decision, and there's lots of factors involved in that. But it was around that time that I first uh, came across Sufjan Stevens, and I'm not even sure how that came about, and just liking his music first and then discovering that there were all these religious illusions and themes. Uh, so if you haven't heard of Sufjan Stevens, he's a he's an American artist born in 1975. He became famous with an album called Michigan, which is an album devoted to the state of Michigan. And then he made an announcement saying that he was going to do 50 albums about each of the 50 United States. Wow. Uh, Did he? No. Um, So he he then, after Michigan, he put out another, um, and Michigan is where this, this song came from. After Michigan, he put out an album called Seven Swans, which was a lot more, um, had a lot more biblical themes and obviously wasn't about a state. He then uh, put out another album called Illinois about the state of Illinois and there's a song called Chicago on there. And since then he's put out a few other albums, a few Christmas albums, but he hasn't continued the 50 States project. So there's there's some discussion. He'll just have to release an album that has a 48-word title. That's one trick. I mean, I was thinking, I mean, it's it would all of the other states into one. How long does it take? You know, and he's he as you can hear, he's got some very complex, lush songs. It's not a sort of bang it out in a couple of weeks yeah. kind of album. So I don't. It would take more than fifty years to put out. <laughs> 50 albums, I think. He's going to struggle to do an album on some of those states, like Delaware is probably going to be pushing it a little bit uphill. <laughs> Although there is a song about Delaware, so maybe, you know. He's he's very creative, but yeah, even I think even for him, that, that might be a bit much. Um, but I I chose this song because it's, it's... I'm not sure anyone knows who Vito is, but it's a song that... It's about... At, at the first level, it's, it's about somebody who's... Be becoming ordained, becoming a minister in in the church, but it speaks about a sense of calling and identity and purpose. And even I actually didn't listen to the song for a while after uh, after my decision not to be ordained. I just kind of walked away from those themes for a while. But I've come back to it and said it's 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 not just about a formal kind of role in the, within the church. It's themes about the sense of having a place of having a purpose mm. and i think that's something that goes wider than than ministry it goes to save and ha- having a role in whatever work or vocation you do or whatever place you have in your community so i think it's something that 
that can appeal to to people of all different kinds of kinds of community. And has this song given you almost like a sense of of like peace about your decision and stuff, or have you kind of you know drawn the line and it's on the other side of the line and you just enjoy the song? I think it's. I still come back to it and think about it. I think it's, um, yeah, it, because it is something that be, can be made more more general. And it, you know, sometimes I think maybe what I'm, what I'm doing on the Spirit Lounge now is, you know, is at least as meaningful as say being in charge of a church. It's, um, it's got its own, it's got its own place. Yeah, definitely. And it's really interesting. It's Vito's ordination song, and Vito is an Italian name that comes from the Latin word vita, meaning life. Mm-hmm. It's a modern form of the Latin name vitus, meaning life giver. Ah. Somebody's been looking up Wikipedia. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I have to admit I did do that. But I was thinking about it because when you said, who's Vito? My instant reaction was, oh, Vito Colleone, the godfather. I was starting to think, and then you were talking about, you know, being, um, having a purpose and a meaning, well, you know, for all the faults and failures of that role, but it is certainly about being having a meaning and a purpose, and and certainly it's, being it's a family and a community. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I was just sort of thinking the correlation. So sorry, and then I went to Wikipedia <laughs> just to see what it meant. Yeah, so that um, yeah, that's that's not the one I would have thought of, but as I said, it's you know, it's everyone's. I guess it, it's it's gives you the idea that everybody's got a place, and not everyone may agree with that that place or that role but there is um you know some people know from the start that they're going to be a minister or something and some people know what job they're going to be from the age of four or something but some people take longer to to work that out um well it is a beautiful song and yeah i really enjoyed listening to it um so my song of choice for tonight is actually fame um i i actually didn't know who sung this i just knew it was from fame the musical but it is by irene cara uh so why why is fame so inspirational to me that sounds like it sounds like a kind of a silly song to people who enjoy musicals right but Fame has a couple of different meanings to me. I actually have the lyrics of fame tattooed on my arm. It goes from remember my name, fame, through to um, uh, baby, remember my name, remember, 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 that part. Um, So, yes, I'm looking at my tattoo, reading it while saying this because I don't actually remember what lyrics I have on my arm. Um, So the song Fame... The musical Fame has always been one of my favourites, um, but the song itself has a couple of different connections to me. The first being, it reminds me of a really good friend that I had in primary school uh, into high school, and she actually changed high schools, but is one of those friends that, when we catch up, is just one of those people that feels like I, it's only been a day since I saw her last. Like Although there's years and years to catch up on, we just have one of those friendships and we actually sung this song in front of the entire school together and ended in the splits. <laughs> That's amazing. We have these photos. Is there video? Uh, You're young enough no, to be video. No, not when I was in the seventh grade. Videos were still for like rich people. We weren't rich people. 
So there must be a photo. Maybe. You need to find a photo. No, it was for one of those mad nights, music, art, dance and drama nights at school. So Christy and I did that and that was a lot of fun. Um, but I think the song has kind of taken on a whole other meaning to me now since I've had friends that have passed away. So some of the lyrics in Fame say, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. I feel it coming together. People will see me and cry. Fame. And... If you don't know the musical, it is in relation to these people who are aspiring singers and dancers. So they're performers and they're aspiring to be famous and people are going to see them and cry fame. And I don't know the um, I'm going to learn how to fly thing, but I presume it means like I'm just going to get really, really famous. Yeah, I don't, in, I don't think it's literally flying. No, but to me, it took on that meaning um, oh, just like when my friends passed away. I just had this, this, I have this image of them, they fly. So once you've passed away, you fly towards heaven and that's where you end up and people will remember their name because of the impact that they've had on their lives. So, you know, it's a little bit of a mushy meaning, but that's, that's what this song means to me. I love it uh, and I hope that people one day remember my name. So this is Fame by Irene Cara. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 and we've gotten some text messages in. This one's from Matt. He said, to the girl that has special meaning to this, that's that's me, I'm Rachel. Thanks, Matt. Uh, try listening to The Dream by Irene Cara. Very uplifting and camp. Great showgirls driving home. It's a good listen. Sorry, I just stumbled across that. That's okay. Thank you, Matt, for your message. We've also had a request in for another song that someone has found inspiring, and it's Hallelujah, and we completely agree. We couldn't agree on which version maybe is the most inspiring, but I do believe that we, we came to a conclusion about that. Is that correct? Well, Claudia? oh, I, I, I mean, apparently people have written academic books about this, so I don't know if we, we can get three of us to agree i mean there's at least three versions in, in the joy library the original of course leonard cohen um and then two uh members of our community rufus wainwright and katie lang and i think mark had a comment about katie lang so katie lang's version of hallelujah which was sung for something major in canada which i think it might have been Olympics. the Olympic games but anyhow that doesn't matter that's not part of the story uh leonard cohen and his partner whose name i've forgotten um were there and katie lang sang hallelujah which she's very good at doing and his partner said that she believed that was the perfect singing of hallelujah and therefore and her comments was and now we're done with that song um, now, I don't know what you know about Leonard Cohen writing this song. It's a, quite an epic song. So he wrote s- somewhere in the vicinity of 80 verses. Wow. Um, now 80 one, verses? 80 verses. Now, at one stage, apparently, he was sitting in his underwear, banging his head on the floor because <laughs> it it's almost like a... It must have been like a possession sort of trying to get this song out. So it's quite an... In from, and that's why there's obviously some academic works. There's certainly... a, a I came across that there's a book being written about what Hallelujah means, and it's certainly been sung by lots of people. Obviously, we've talked about uh, Rufus Wainwright, Katie Lang. The other famous one, of course, is Jeff Buckley. Yes, um, who very much so. Yeah, yes. so he and his version is quite different. Again, so it's it's quite a a, a great song. Um, 
It's I mean, also been covered by probably every acoustic artist uh, in the history of Earth. Uh, it's just one of those songs that it's easy to pick up, it's beautiful to sing, um, and easy or easy to play on guitar as well. So, yeah, you don't you don't need much. Yeah, you you just need a voice and a and an instrument. Yeah, like it's one of the first songs that I learned to play when I was teaching myself guitar. It's got easy uh, chords, and I enjoyed singing along to it. We sing at synagogue we sing a hebrew version of hallelujah oh, oh my gosh. wow so um so same tune but with hebrew with, lyrics with the psalm oh. that it, the hallelujah psalm so that's sung at synagogue using the same um music behind it so oh that's a different slightly different variation on it it's it look it's an interesting song it ca- grabs bits and pieces from certainly the hebrew testament the what's commonly known as the Old Testament, certainly grabs bits and pieces from all over that, certainly from Psalms and from Isaiah is in there. So it's got lots of spiritual elements to it as well. It's quite an interesting song from a spiritual perspective. I think I've seen a um, a book has recently come out called The Secret Chord, written by an author whose name I've forgotten, but who I know has written other books with religious themes. And But I'm not sure whether that's about... I think it's about King David, but I'm not sure whether the secret chord comes from Hallelujah. So, mm. I mean, that's something that I'd... It's on, it's on my list of... my long list of books to read. Do, do any of us know where... Like, is, is that a biblical thing that... The secret chord. I know chord. there was a secret chord that Jesus played and it pleased the Lord. No, it's I played and it pleased the Lord. Oh, I whoops. I just added Jesus We're gonna, in. We'll, we'll find out. We'll, we will find out. We will out find that listen. one out. It's, um, it is somewhere, and we will find that out um, and tell you before the show's in. Interestingly, this song uh, was in Shrek, the movie. <laughs> now I remember. Now it, yes. it was in Shrek. Now, Rufus Wainwright recorded for the Shrek soundtrack this song, but in the actual movie, they play a different version. Oh, so, yes. wait, so the soundtrack is released with Rufus Wainwright. I nearly said Rufus Wainwright. Yep. <laughs> um, but they didn't play it on the movie? Who, the mo- who was on the movie? I believe yeah. it's Jeff Buckley's, but I'd have to double check that. That's confusing. So, Rufus yeah. Rain, Wainwright sings it on the soundtrack and... It's somebody else on the movie. But we're going to listen to... Which version have we decided on, Claudine? I think we agreed on Rufus Wainwright because he's um, Leonard Cohen's... No, no, no. He's, he's the his, father of Leonard his, Cohen's grandchild. Yes, so it, it, all comes, it all comes together. It all comes together. And, and they're all Canadian. It's, it's a <laughs> Canadian song. You are on the Spirit Lounge, and thank you, Stephen or Michelle. I'm not sure which one it was from, but I heard there was a secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. Uh, It was good to get that clarification. So we will be listening to the Rufus Wainwright version of Hallelujah. But don't forget, the woods are coming up next. So it's good night from Rachel, Claudine, and Mark here on the Spirit Lounge, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.